Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Speak podcast. Today you're joined by me, Robert Templeton, the marketing assistant, Mandrew Islam, who's the head of Wills and Probate at Money Speak, and Shazia, who's an associate solicitor in the Wills and Probate team. So welcome both. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. So, Mandrew, so first off, what is probate? Uh, probate is um, the name that is given to uh, the process where you have to deal with somebody's affairs when they've passed away. So if I had a loved one who died, um, I'm, some of you might ask me whether I need to go to probate. And going to probate means going through the process so that I can get somebody recognised to deal with my loved one's affairs. Cool. What is a grant of probate then? Uh, well, a grant of probate is the name given to the actual piece of paper, which is the official recognition. It's actually a court order. So again, if one of my loved ones had passed away, um, probate is what is um, referred to as the process that the, someone needs to go through to be recognised as that person responsible for looking after my loved one's affairs. And to get that recognition, so if I was the one looking after my loved one's affairs, I need some kind of recognition that I'm authorised to look after their affairs. And I do that by applying to the court and I get a piece of paper, a court order, a court order and that's called a grant of probate. Because you can imagine, for example, if I um, had um, borrowed some money from you um, and you um, and I said I'd pay you back and you said, yeah, no problem. And then you went into the bank the next day and you said, excuse me, bank manager, that nice chap, Manzor, this time at Madison <laughs> Peak, he um, borrowed £10 off me and promised to pay me back. So can I withdraw it from his account? Uh, you wouldn't be surprised if the bank manager not just told you where to go, but perhaps even called the police on you. They said, no, we're not even discussing, um, and we can't even discuss our customers with you, let alone give you the money from their account. Uh, the only exception to that situation would be if you had something official, like a power of attorney, for example. And now, if you went in with an official power of attorney saying, look, Manzoor's given me power of attorney, now I am authorised to access his bank account, then they might say, ah, no problem, Rob. Here you go, you can take that £10 that you um, were owed. A similar principle kind of applies on death. So if, if I had borrowed £10 from you and then I passed away, God forbid, but if you went into the bank next day and said, oh, that chap man's all this time from Madison Peak, he borrowed £10 from me, but he passed away before he could pay me back. Can I withdraw it from his account? Again, you probably wouldn't be surprised if they said, no, I'm afraid not, Rob. I can't give it to you. Who are you? Uh, the exception would be if you had something official recognising your authority. Now, that process is called probate, and the document, which would be the official paperwork, recognising that you're allowed to access my account, that's called the grant of probate. Thank you, Manzoral. Please, could you explain the different parts of the probate process? Um, there are lots of parts to it, but I, I like to keep things simple, and I would generally divide it into two camps. I'd say... The first element of probate, it's all of the, uh, I, I like to call it the running around, don't you think, Shazi? It's all of the kind of the day-to-day -day admin that you've got to do. So obviously the, there's first the important step of registering the death, getting the death certificate. Then you've got to let everybody know. You've got to tell the banks. You might need to tell some of the beneficiaries, the family members who might not live uh, nearby or be aware. You, can, you might need to tell NSNI, the share companies, even like the gas board, the council, Lots of people need to be informed, um, and then you've got to eventually collect in the money, you've got to pay out to whoever needs to be paid, any bills, 
Um, and you spend a lot of the time on the phone, writing letters, chasing. That's what I call the day-to-day -day admin or the running around, um, which is one part of it. And then the other part is the technical work, really. Um, this is where, I, in my experience, I don't know if you agree, Shazia, this is where you tend to, most people tend to need help from an expert because mm -hmm. the technical work will be uh, like filling in the inheritance tax returns. And again, in my experience, most people have never even seen an inheritance tax return, let alone filled one in. Um, and also the court forms. So I mentioned before that grant of probate is a court order. So to get the grant of probate, you need to apply to the court for that order. The name of the court is called the probate registry. It doesn't matter too much, but it's a division of the court. And so that is, I suppose, really, it's a court process. So um, again, most people aren't familiar with the courts or their forms or their procedures, and they would prefer somebody more experienced or knowledgeable to deal with it. So uh, you've got like the day-to-day -day work, which a lot of people can do themselves, and you've got the technical work, which in my experience, nearly everybody needs help on. Um, although you could, if you wanted to do them all yourself, or you could leave them all to an expert. For example, we've got an award-winning team here at Mullison <laughs> Peak, uh, which we're very proud to uh, boast about. But um, in all seriousness, we, we can help kind of look after you through that process. Um, actually, I find that most people would rather go for, um, ask an expert or a solicitor to deal with the whole process because as much as I was saying the practical work is um, doesn't need always technical expertise, the reality is it takes such a long time um, and with the delays with, for example, the tax office and the mm. courts, um, I, I don't know, I find most estates are taking probably a year or more to probably finish. a year or more. Yeah. If you imagine if you're working for, you know, Four working times, or you've got caring commitments, you don't really have the time to do that. So a lot of people prefer passing everything over. But and it's also a, things quite overwhelming as well. It is, it's it? a do difficult time as well, isn't it? I mean, mm. you're going through a bereavement, you might yeah. have other family members to look after or young children, for example. So it's nice to be able to lighten the load, I think. Um, so they say a problem mm. shared is a problem. <laughs> right? So if you can pass it on to somebody else. Um, helps. Yeah. Great, thank you. Shazia, your first question today then, when is probate required? So probate is usually required where there's a property. If you need to sell a property, you will definitely need probate. And again, with certain assets, um, for example, with certain bank accounts, if you have an amount over the um, over the requirement, for example, with Barclays, I think it's over 50,000, you will need grant of probate. Um, so not in all cases you'll need probate, but it really does depend on the assets the deceased person held at the time of death. This is where the... the the day-to-day -day running around comes in, isn't it? It's part of the, it's not necessarily technical, but somebody's got to contact all of the banks and saying, look, what do you need to release me the money? Some will say, well, if it's if it's over 5,000 pounds, we want you to show us your official authority, i.e. the grant of probate. Some will say, as Shazi said, I think Barclays, did you say they're 50? Barclays, yeah, I think it's 50 yeah. now. Some are quite like, isn't NSNI, aren't they like 2,000? So it's, it really does depend, but it needs a lot of running around. This is why it's so time consuming, because everybody has different rules and requirements, different banks, different share companies, they're quite, they're, they're really strict, aren't they? Unless it's really low, they really insist. Yeah, with shares, I think for most shares, you will need probate yeah. because they normally register the death once probate has been granted. So you will need probate for any shareholdings, really. Cool. What is a personal representative in probate? So this is the person who has the authority to deal with um, administrating the estate. So, for example, where there's a will, there'll be known executors and trustees, and if there's um, no will, then it'll be the administrator, but they all come under the heading personal representative, and those are the people that have authority to close bank accounts, sell a property, transfer it if need be, 
um, but they will need that authority in order to deal with the estate administration. Great, thank you. Do I need probate if there is a will? Um, not always. Um, if there is a will, for example, let's say um, husband died um, and there is a wife um, and everything was held jointly, in that case there may well be a will leaving everything to the wife. However, they may probate may well not be needed because all the assets are held jointly, in which case um, probate won't be needed. So it really does depend. I think good advice is, if you're unsure really, um, don't be frightened to call an expert. I mean, if you called up Shazia and asked her, look, this is the situation, my um, grandmother has passed away, do I need probate? We'd be happy to kind of talk you through of on course. the phone and yeah. try to work out with you whether probate is needed because um, it's not always needed. And if it's and if that is the case, then it's much better to kind of save the time and uh, money and the kind of the stress of having to go through it. So, Mandrel, so say we have a will, where do we start? Um, well, if you do have a will, um, it sounds obvious, but the starting point would be to actually read the will because that sets out very important information. As Shazia mentioned, one of the first things you, you need to know is who's responsible for dealing with that person's affairs now that they've passed on. So they're, they're called the personal representative and you need to look into the will to see which who is the personal representative. Now, in a will, they're called the executor. So you should start by <coughs> finding out who the executor is and then that person has the responsibility for trying to deal with probate, as we call it. And they might um, uh, then need help with the process, but that's where experts are involved. And um, so it's really the first part I'd say is information gathering. You've got to find out what uh, financial um, commitments the deceased person had. Now that could be either an asset or a liability. So if I had, for example, uh, on passing away, I had credit cards um, that I hadn't paid off, that would be a financial commitment. If I had a mortgage, if I had a bank account, if I had premium bonds, any shares. Um, so anyone really with a financial connection needs to be notified. Even really, um, it could be something as apparently trivial as the license, TV license company. If you paid your TV license a year in advance um, and then um, I passed away two months after renewing it, then I'd get a refund of the previous term yeah. of 10 months. So, um, uh, so information gathering um, would be the next part once you've located the will and um, read through it. And then the next step would be, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the next step would be to start collating the financial information because you'd have to do tax returns. As you can imagine, uh, the tax man always looking to get their cut if they can. <laughs> so right. that's one of the key parts of probate, isn't it? Trying to. And that's um, when you know there's, there's tax liability as well. <coughs> Um, only once all the um, information has been collected at the start. Yeah, exactly. So the information gathering is important because it gives you an idea as to whether the estate will need to pay any tax or not. So then you'll have to do, um, potentially have to do your tax forms. Um, you can't apply to the court for your grant of probate without having sorted out the tax first. Okay. So it is, it kind of has to be done in order. Information uh, and fact finding, the tax forms, then you can go onto the court forms for the probate. And then once the probate comes through, you can start um, either transferring, cashing in or selling assets and then paying off any debts and then finally paying the beneficiaries. Great. So say I was named in a will, do I have to act as an executor? You do not have to act. It's not compulsory. Um, it means that you have first refusal. So the, the fact that you're named as an executor, it's really an invitation. So if I named 
for example, Shazia as executor in my will, I'm saying I would like Shazia to be the person responsible for dealing with my affairs. Now, she might not want to or she might not be able to. Now, let's just say Shazia does very well. Uh, she's one of our um, uh, promising up-and-coming lawyers and associates. She might um, um, go on a round-the-world cruise just to celebrate her success. And she might be in Australia at the time. <laughs> well, I know, exactly. I should have taken her job. But if, if she's in Australia at the time that I passed away, she'll say, well, I, I can't deal with Manzor's affairs. I'm on the other side of the world. I don't have great internet or whatever. I'm in the middle of a, on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean. Um, I know he wanted me to do it, but I'm not available. So she could decline it. Can I appoint a professional executor? Um, absolutely. And actually, we've, we're finding this is probably becoming more common. Um, I mean, a lot of people might think uh, when they're preparing their will, they might think, oh, who can I name as executor? And it, and it should always, I would always encourage people to name somebody that they know and trust very well. Um, but that in itself is not enough because the, remember, if the person who's named as executor, they're the one who will have the responsibility for dealing with the deceased person's affairs. Now, we've just mentioned that some of the steps can be quite onerous. So uh, things like filling in the tax forms, like the court forms, um, that, that is quite a, quite a burden on some people. And uh, a lot of people, when they're making their will, think, oh, I don't really want to uh, leave that um, stress or trouble to my child, for example, because they've got their own um, issues to contend with. They might have a busy job when they might have a young family of their own. And so some people like to name professional executor. Also, if there are lots of beneficiaries or if you think, oh, um, if you come from a blended family where you might have stepchildren or uh, previous relationships or, um, um, or just there might be some difficult, strained relationships in the family, then um, it might be sensible to appoint, appoint a professional executor. So that way there can't be any ill feeling. So say a parent might think, oh, I've got uh, two children. Um, I'm not sure that they, they've got a strained relationship between them. They don't get on terribly well, but if I pick one over the other, I might upset one of them. So sometimes it's safer just to say, look, I'll appoint a professional executive. That way, the two children, they won't uh, think the other one's trying to stab them in the back or cheat them out of it or not do it properly. And they don't have to, work about work, don't have to worry about working together mm. or trusting the other. So it's sometimes safer. And just avoids conflict as well. It does. It can, be, it can really take the strain out. So you, you can imagine if... If you've lost a loved one and you think, oh, what do I do next? If you knew, oh, actually, don't worry, there's somebody named as a professional executor, they can take away the, the headache. Off. Yeah, I find that people, they tend to be more reassured when they see the professional executor. It does, yeah. It does make life that little bit easier yeah. as well. And you know you get a job done job done well. So, yeah, you can certainly put point a professional executor and actually it's becoming more and more commonplace. Thank you, Mansrul. So, Shazia, does an executor have personal liability for the estate? So an executor will normally have personal liability for the estate and when we do um, deal with estate administration we always advise um, the executors to place a creditor's notice in the London Gazette or the local newspaper where the deceased person died and at least that way they're covering themselves so if there are any, um, any liabilities that they're not aware of um, obviously this gives them that two months time limit to forward any liabilities forward onto them. Um, so yeah, you will be personally liable for this date because you have to, you, as an executor, you have to act fairly um, in distributing and administrating the estate. Yeah, it ties in with your earlier question actually, Rob, because it's another reason why people like appointing professional executives because they think, well, um, this is a serious job and it needs to be done properly. 
So you imagine if you appoint a solicitor per, um, or firm of solicitors as executors, they take on all of the risk and the liabilities. So they're going to want to make sure they do it right. And it, it is a good peace of mind because actually some, some people think, well, I don't want to take the risk. I don't know. I didn't know this charity or this organisation that yeah. my aunt has left her money to. And I don't know this person. I don't know what debts they had. And um, why am I taking the risk? Because if I do it wrong, then they're going to come after me for money and I don't have much of my own. So it's, again, sometimes it's a nice opportunity to say, well, actually, I'm going to let somebody else take that risk. Great. What about small estates then? Would we still need probate then? Um, not for all small estates. It does really depend on what assets the deceased house. So, for example, there may be a small estate with just a property, for example, um, in which case um, probate may well be needed. It depends how they held the property. So if it was jointly owned, then it will pass by survivorship. However, if it was in their sole name, then probate will be needed. And that would be a small estate because it, the estate only comprised of the property. However, some small estates um, won't need probate at all. So it does really depend on um, the gross value of the estate at the date of death um, and whether and, and probate is needed to cash in any assets going forward. I think the best thing is always just to speak to someone and check, speak to an expert because um, there's no very hard and fast definition of when probate will or will not, not be, be needed. needed just because so many it's it's a lot of the time it's down to the individual organization so you could go from one bank to another and they have completely different requirements one bank might say yes you need the probate the other one's not going to give you the money the bank next door to them could say no no it's fine you can take it i mean didn't we have one recently where um i can't remember which organization it was but they released a hundred thousand pounds without a grant and probate yeah. oh, okay. whereas if you had you might have had two thousand pounds worth of premium bonds yeah and you have to get the grant of probate um, for that, but you've got £100,000 in another account and you, you got it without any questions or not too many questions asked. Yeah. So it, it, it's, that's, it, I think it's just important to speak to someone who's got more experience and can guide you yeah, through. Just to make sure, double check, definitely. Yeah. Great. I know we've just touched on this briefly then, but do I need probate for joint assets? Normally for joint assets, you won't need probate because it passes by survivorship. Um, it can depend how, how, how it's for a property. I suppose it can depend on what kind of joint ownership content? And that's a good point, actually, Manzoro. Um, so, for example, with a property, if it's held as tenants in common, in that case, probate will be needed. But even though that property is held jointly, um, it depends um, how the ownership is, and therefore you will need probate in that instance. But mo most other joint assets, I think they can pass. Pass by survivorship, yeah. With bank accounts, for example, let's say we held a bank account together, I pass away, it'll pass to Manzoro entirely. Yeah. Property tends to be held treat as a kind of a special case because it's it's nearly always the most valuable thing that any of us will ever own and um, and there are if you've got multiple owners of a property you can own it in one of two different ways as Shazia mentioned you've got joint tenants um, which is one way and tenants in common now I, I like to refer to them as the cake and the football so you think of joint tenants as like owning a football if, if Shazia and I had a football it's one item we can yeah. share the football, so she might have it on a Monday, I might have it on a Tuesday and Wednesday, she might then take it on a Thursday, um, like that. So there's only ever one ball, and we've got to try and work between us as to how we keep and play with it. But if I were to then die, I can't... Um, Shazia is left with the football, because there's only one item, right? So she's left with it, so if I pass away, it becomes her football. As opposed to tenants in common, which is a bit more like a cake. So if, if Shazia and I had a cake, i.e. tenants in common, mm. I can cut the cake in half and take my half or share with me. 
now and I can do whatever I want now now that I've got my piece of the cake I could give some to my children to my wife I can share the cake out with whoever I want to so even if I passed away it doesn't matter I've taken my half already Shazia's got her half so um, in the property example for where it's all joint, jointly if the house is owned like the football then you don't usually need probate because the person who's left holding the football has got it. Whereas if it's owned like a cake, i.e. tenants in common, then yeah, you usually do. Great. Hopefully it doesn't happen then, but would I need probate if my husband, wife or civil partner died? Um, I suppose I just really echo what Shazia said. It, it can depend because it, it really down to what kind of assets they had. Mm. So if... Um, uh, like Shazia and I held a joint bank account, um, those are held like footballs. So if I were to die, then um, my name just comes off the account basically because I passed away, but Shazia's name is still in there so she can access all of the funds. So she wouldn't need to worry about getting probate for the bank account. And and you've just got to go through all of the assets and, and debts and seeing, well, which of them are going to be difficult to sort out if they all just pass over automatically. And again, sometimes... Um, every bank has its own rules. Some of them are much more accommodating. So if I were to, if Shiza were to go in and say, "Look, Manzor's passed away. Um, will you help me with the process?" Sometimes they will just say, "Oh, don't worry, Shazia. Here you go. You can. We'll just transfer the account to you." They might just do that um, of their own accord. Sometimes they might just insist, "No, we, we won't cooperate with you unless you show us the grant of probate." So I'm afraid there's no easy answer to that because there's so many thousands and thousands of organisations out there. They all have their own rules and procedures, and it really does depend on which one you happen to be banking with, or whichever shares you happen to have, or how your property happens to be held. So, but actually, I would say on balance, um, if you're married or in a civil partnership, there's probably a better chance of you not needing probate than needing it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I'd say yeah. most people, when they've come in, if their partner or spouse has passed away, then more often than not, they don't need probate. Okay, good to know. So, Mansour, your last question today then. Do I need probate to sell a house? Um, well, we've done quite well, actually, um, in our previous answers, because it, um, hopefully, you'll remember that it does depend on how the house is owned. If you own the house as joint tenants, i.e. like the football, you probably won't need probate. If you... If you own a house like a cake, i.e. tenants in common, then you usually will need probate. If you owned it in your own name and it needs to go to somebody else, then you will need probate. So again, most of the time you do need probate to sell a house. Um, land Again, going back to the point you made earlier, property tends to be the most valuable thing that any of us will ever own. So the land industry don't like uh, taking too many risks when it comes to land and property. So more often than not, they would expect to see something official, like a grant of private, before they will allow you to transfer or sell a house. Great. Thank you, Manzoro. Shazia, whose responsibility is it to get probate then? The responsibility will be the Usually person. yours, Shazia. <laughs> <laughs> Usually is, yeah. Obviously, if we're appointed as um, um, professional executors then by all means we will be the ones um, obtaining probate but it usually is the personal representative um, named in the estate so for example 
um, if there's a will, um, executors and trustees will be appointed and it's those people that would need to apply for a probate and they're responsible. And if someone dies without leaving a will, then it's the administrator, normally it's the next of kin who would apply for probate. So, and again, as Manzora said, if we're named as professional executors, then that's something we will need to um, obtain. Great, thank you, Shazia. I know you've just mentioned what happens to your estate if you're married with children and die without making a will, but is there anything else you'd like to add? Any final comments? So if someone dies without leaving a will um, and they're married and have children, then the first £322,000 of their estate will pass to the surviving spouse and everything else will be split 50-50 between the children and the surviving spouse. Um, and this, I think, recently changed the limit in the last few months. Yeah, it's because of um, um, the the current there's a currently a default set of rules which apply for everybody who passes away without a will because something has to happen to their effect to their estate to their all of their things worldly possessions it has to go somewhere so the law said well for those who didn't get round to making a will we've got a default set of rules and it had a threshold saying the first it was it used to be 270 wasn't 70, it 000. the first 270,000 pounds would go to the first in the list of um um, slightly next of kin really and the first one on the list would generally be a spouse or civil partner but because infl inflation was something it was over 10% recently wasn't it that triggered then the figure to be revised under the law so it's gone up recently to 322 but um, so yeah as, as Shazia mentioned but I suppose it also reminds us of the importance of making a will because let's just say in, in the scenario you gave actually the couple weren't married, but they had children, um, and let's just assume they were young children, um, um, you know, very young minors, maybe, I don't know, two and five. Now, because they weren't married, under the default rules, uh, which favours blood relatives, um, the surviving um, partner wouldn't inherit at all. Now, they may have been entirely dependent on their predeceased partner, but they get nothing um, because there was, they get nothing automatically because there was no will. So it is really important to make a will, I think. Yeah, I don't think we can stress the importance of doing that because you control where your inheritance goes after you've passed away. Yeah, and you get to choose, as we were discussing earlier, which person you uh, make responsible for looking after your affairs once you've gone. And you can even name, like, for ex um, example, who would look after your children. You can name your guardians. You can make sure that your favourite causes are remembered if there was a charity close to your heart. That doesn't happen under the default rules called the intestacy rules. So you get so much more flexibility and so much more certainty with the will. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you both for taking part in today's probate podcast. As always, if you found this podcast episode helpful, more are available on our website.